0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: There's two weeks left in the season. We have a bunch of pennant races to watch, a couple big series going on right now. Here to talk with me is my really good friend, Joe Sheehan from the Joe Sheehan baseball newsletter, JoeSheehan.com. We're going to talk a lot of wide ranging topics coming next on the roto Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Roto-Wire's Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by the folks from So Rare. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Joe Sheehan from the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Go to JoeSheehan.com or follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore Sheehan. And uh, you can check out all of his samples there. Hopefully you want to subscribe. It's going to be a very busy time. Joe, I know pennant race, playoff season, you are a prolific writer. So this is a big time for you. I'm excited to come on
2: here, Jeff, and talk college football with you today. <laughs> Trojan, fight on. How those, how, how's Northwestern doing?
1: Um, what time is it? Hey, how's <laughs> it <laughs> Uh, who are you guys playing this weekend?
2: Uh, Oregon State, uh, a late game, oh, thir- oh, 9.30 Eastern. Uh, six, yeah, well, I mean, that's the Pac-12. We play, we play nine, so that's part of so it. So the and, Big uh, Ten now. It, yeah, I mean, it's already the fourth week of the season, so this is when it really is supposed to start. So um, yep. it's tough. I was there last year. Actually, the last SC game I went to was a year ago. We got absolutely obliterated by Oregon State at the Coliseum, so a little bit of a revenge game this weekend.
1: Yeah, that's right. I remember the game. That was the Get Clay Hilton Fired game. Yes, Mercifully. Yeah. Um, They already look, the world's different, but you know, the transfer portal, NILs and all that, they can change Mm. things. You can turn on a dime really quickly. So it's not, so, but anyhow, they look really fun to watch. So good luck with that. Um, Lots going on. Let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, just the the Cleveland having themselves a heck of a week. First finishing off the twins. Now, like they're doing the same to the White Sox now in the first two games of the series so far this week. Yeah, I mean, we saw Krista McKenzie look
2: fantastic last night, and that's been a big part of the uh, Guardian's success this year where they've gotten pitching depth that I didn't know that they would have. McKenzie's taken a step forward. Bieber's gotten back to that uh, best pitch, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball level. Cal Quantrill's given them a a surprisingly good season. So I didn't think they had pitching depth, and those front three guys have been very good. I think you look at the bullpen where we knew about uh, A, knew about James Karinchak, who was actually terrible the second half last year, with a bunch of guys, Trevor Steffen and – uh, Sam Hentges, Eniel De Los Santos. I just didn't think they'd be this good at run prevention because I didn't think they had the depth in arms. Now, whether it was a misread of the talent or what I think more, it's just underestimating the guardians ability to develop pitchers. Yes. I didn't think they were going to even be a 500 team and they've actually, I would say they have run away with the division, but they held off. They've never been out of first place since like early in the season. Since so they caught the twins twins caught them to tie about three weeks ago, but the guardians have gone on this incredible run took seven of eight for the twins now taking the first two from the White Sox and basically locked up the division. Yeah.
1: They, they eviscerated the twins in that five game series, winning four out of five Uh twins. They found ways to lose too. It was, it was tough kind of watching that. Uh, and they've, they've had their share of bad luck Buxton being out yet again, Tyler, trading for Tyler Malley uh, and then seeing him get hurt. You can relate to that one in tout wars there. Uh, just, tough it's, it's tough and then you know and then also they decided that it was okay to try to rely on dylan bundy and chris archer and you know you get what you get and you don't get upset in that case
2: well there was a real depth issue i mean i'm not sure it's you can call it bad luck to lose byron buxton that's just the table stakes with him but yeah they didn't they had you know kirloff got hurt larnock got hurt polanco's missed time i mean they've had a lot of injuries outside of buxton um and yeah, i think they did try to build in depth yes they uh, did it was tested this year though. And even at the trade deadline, they went out and got Malley. They went out and got uh, Michael Fulmer. They really, I can't really say it was an effort thing, but you know, they were not a great team to begin with. And if you look over the last, pretty much over Buxton's career, and I've run these numbers a bunch of times their with, or without you splits with button Buxton are absolutely ridiculous. There yeah. are, they're basically a 600 team with him and a sub 500 team without him. So once he had that last injury, I believe the last time he's played is uh, August 25th or so, Jeff.
1: Yeah, something like that.
2: That that was the end of their season. They just weren't going to be able to sustain any sort of success with him missing these last five weeks.
1: No, no. And it's been devastating for them. Uh, Yeah, you're right. It is not an effort issue. They actually did try, as opposed to the White Sox, who the grand sum of their trade deadline acquisitions, in-season acquisitions, was Jake Diekman. The grand sum of what they did in the offseason was Kendall Graveman. Uh, White Sox fans are justifiably furious over their offseason. No, I'm sorry, they did add Johnny Cueto, who actually has been decent, but that was an in season, off you know, minor league contract move that worked out. Um, they really played small ball in a year where where, which required big ball. They're going to be able to point to their injuries and say we're unlucky, and that's true. They were unlucky with injuries, but what a what a mismanaged, what a mismanaged opportunity, mismanaged team emphasis on the word manage.
2: You know, it's one thing to go into the season without – let me run it into If you know you can get a lot of uh, support from inside the organization, you think about the Dodgers, you think about the Rays, just constantly calling up talent. That's one thing. But the White Sox have one of the worst farm systems in baseball coming into the mm-hmm. season. And, you know, they've tapped into – you know, Davis Martin's come up for them. They've used a couple of really, uh, infielders, Romy Gonzalez, Lennon Sosa. Stop me when I get to somebody that most fans have heard of as a top-tier prospect. So when you know you don't have that internal depth, you can't go into the season as top-heavy as the White Sox did. And they got burned. Pretty much, I, I had a reader tell me that there was only one day this season, August 4th that their projected starting lineup actually played. And they really haven't been healthy the entire season when you consider Lance Lynn this time at the start. Garrett Crochet's been out for the entire season. They were a team with the – I thought really they had the potential. Going back to the winter, I said I thought they could be the best team in the league. I thought they could win 100 games. And even by spring training, we were seeing cracks in that foundation. Jeff, I mean, you know, Lurie Garcia's played a lot for them. Adam Engel is actually having a halfway decent year. He's a plus defensive guy. Now, A.J. Pollock's really a platoon player. He's played too much for them. They just, they've had to rely on the you know 13th through 25th roster spots. And then, of course, the you know, 26th through 30th. And they just didn't have the team for that. And to me, that's the difference in this division. We'll yep. set the Twins aside for a second. It's the depth of the Guardians beating the depth of the White Sox.
1: The development program of the Guardians. Yep. I mean, I, yep. and... I think that's like you, you. It's a point you brought up, and it's a point we talk about all the time. We that, that, that there's a, a big variable that we don't have a good handle on. It's a team's ability to develop a certain quantity. When, with the Guardians, it's, it's pitching. I mean, they really, really developed the heck out of it. They get they turned turned, you know, some of these guys that they've gotten production on, they weren't touted prospects in many cases, and they've been able to do that. Um, kind of like the Dodgers do. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, I mean, they're not getting early draft picks. They've been winning for years. They haven't had an early draft pick in a really, really, really long time. And yet they still have this, uh, this developmental system. Uh, some of that is signing in the international market, but others, it's like Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, turning those guys into valuable players. Uh, and so you got to tip your hat to that. And yeah, you know, granted they, they, they have advantages that the White Sox don't have, including an ownership that's willing to spend. Um, uh, you now I didn't say able, I said, willing because uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is not short of funds. That is not an issue there. Uh, it, it's it's got to be frustrating. And White Sox Twitter has not been a happy place this week.
2: There are some organizations that have really separated themselves. And I do think it gets conflated, as you say, you know, with, the, with the money factor. Uh, mm-hmm. But you've got you know, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, three large market teams are clearly also at the forefront of player improvement. But then you also have the Rays and the Guardians who are in in that tier. Um, you know, other t- I, mean, I think that we've always talked about the Cardinals as a, as a, as a development organization. seems yeah, like the Cardinals always find these you – know, it's Lars bar this year where there's all these one- and two-win players they develop so they don't have to go into the market for them, and they always seem to have a, a pretty strong bench. Um, last year's team was actually an exception to that. Uh, so, no, I, I completely agree. I think this is – the money conversations – And the ability of the team to do the things you need to do conversations get conflated. But there's no reason, and the Guardians and the Rays are are examples of this, why 30 teams can't put those resources in, hire the right people, and make the talent you have better.
1: All that said, we're praising the Guardians. They're here. They're going to win the division probably. And they're going to be the three seed. They're not going to be a heavy favorite over who ends up being the six seed, whether it's the Rays, the Mariners, or the Blue Jays. No, and I wrote
2: about this earlier, uh, I guess last month. You know, the, the way it's set up right now, the, the wild card teams, um, you're actually probably better off being the sixth seed than the five seed. I think I'd rather play the Guardians as well as they played in September. I think I'd rather play the Guardians than the Rays or the Blue Jays or the Mariners, depending on what the matchups are. Then you look going forward, you know, it's actually an easier path, I think, going through the Yankees than it is going through the Astros. So you've got a sure. situation where the, the seeding is a little messed up in the AL. I will say this, though. You know, we talk about the pitching. If you reduce a staff as you will in a best of three to just, you know, the best five or six guys, the, the guardians can go Bieber, you know, some of these arms we talked about like Stefan and Henches and then go to A and then bring back McKenzie and do the same thing. That's really tough in a short series. And I think that, you know, you, I look at the, the, the Mariners as the other team that can really shove a lot of arms at you in oh, yeah. a short series. I, 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 am less convinced that the guardians are the soft touch in the division series, excuse me, the wild card series than I was a month ago. I still think I'd rather play them than the other options, but it's closer.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, again, and you look at, you know, the rays and you see that the sum is greater than the whole of the parts. Right. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those where like, how do they do this every single year? And for a while, they were challenging the Yankees for the division. They fell off on that. But um, in fact, they they're kind of going through some tough times right now. In fact, in part because they've had a really hard schedule lately. Um, but yeah, you know, every year it was like, wh- what, alchemy are they doing using this year to get that? Um, and they throw a ton of arms at you. They've lost a ton of arms this year and then yet they still throw a ton at you. They, they're a development machine in their own right.
2: I think they're hard to project going forward too, because, you know, we've had mm-hmm. Shane McClanahan now with uh, the shoulder, the neck and right. a little, a lot of vagueness about actually what he's dealing with. Question of what they're going to get from Tyler Glass now is supposed to be back in the majors next week. Um, I I did not think we were going to see him this year. You know, is he going to be maybe an opener for them? Can he be a four inning bulk guy, kind of playing that Ryan Yarbrough role, just with a lot more talent than Ryan Yarbrough? And then you mentioned you know the development they've turned Jason Adam and um, Pete Fairbanks. Fairbanks, that's come off the DL, has been basically unhittable. So there's a there's an uncertainty as to how much depth they'll have, but we know they're going to have depth. I just in that best of three. I think I – and again, if McClanahan's healthy, it changes the equation. But I think I'd rather be able to run uh, Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert or Alec Manoa and Kevin Galsman or Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie out there sure. than count on the Rays, the Rays doing it with the eight or nine guys they might use.
1: Yeah. The other thing, too, to watch what they raise is I think it's vital for them to get to the four because you look at their home road splits. I mean, it's a massive difference. They are far, far better at home. Forty nine twenty eight at home, thirty three thirty nine on the road. This is a team that is much better equipped in their dome of a stadium and they, they, they play better there. Um, so that, that's something to watch for too, to see if they can do that. Now, currently they are, I think they are the sixth seed, um, or are the Mariners. No, it's, uh, it's the Mariners. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's, the, the Rays are the five. The Blue Jays are the four. They're playing each other this weekend. Big four game series starting tonight. Uh, they, they had a big one last weekend. It was fun baseball to watch. It was really a good series. The 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 Jays they saw this coming. They rejiggered their rotation to make sure their best starters were facing the Rays. So I thought that was interesting.
2: Right, you can do that this time of year because you know that you know you, when you're playing the Orioles every third day. You know, it's, it seems like the Rays and Orioles excuse me the Jays and Orioles have played a lot. But yep. you know, I think that make because they can get separation this weekend that would pretty much lock up the four now that's slightly less important than it was because the news we got this week that the Canada you basically can go into Canada if you're not vaccinated anymore so this the Jays a getting
1: that, ruling yeah for sure
2: right <laughs> and, or, or the Goldschmidt Arenado ruling if you want to look that yes, far yes that's ahead. true uh but so it, home field advantage won't matter as much but look anytime you don't have to travel you can finish up stay at home uh, you know, the Jays, of course, are going to have incredible crowds. If you remember their, their postseason runs in 15 and 16. I mean, that, the Rogers center, when the Jays are good, are a great play, it's a great place to play. So this is a big series for both teams. As you mentioned, the Rays are ba- are, aren't very good on the road, and the Jays have, I think, one of the more significant home field advantages in baseball in terms of crowds and playoffs. So big yeah. series this weekend. And again, you know, to, to bring back to what I said earlier, if one team separates for the four, you now have a situation where the five and the six aren't quite sure where they want. Do you really want to go to Toronto or do you want to take your chances in Cleveland?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, meanwhile, the Mariners, I mean, they still have a lot of home games left. Um, I, I'd i really like to see just for their, the fans' sake that they get a home series for their first playoff series back that they've had such a drought. I think they would just go nuts. I think it would be just, you know, we saw at the end of the year last year when they had a sniffing chance at making the playoffs, how crazy the the, the ticket sales went. We saw right at, you know, coming out of the All-Star break when they had that big win streak and how they sold out that big series against the Astros. Now they lost that series to the Astros, but um, I, I want to see that. I want to see, you know, I want to see fan bases get hyped. I mean that—that's why we're here. The Jays and the Mariners both would be crazy. Now, only one of them is going to get a home series, so we'll see.
2: It's—it's—it's it's imp- it's a tough spot for baseball because you want—I would like to see any team that makes the playoffs get a home game, but yeah. you can't reasonably play a best of three given the time constraints of the baseball postseason and have a travel day baked in. And you can't really do it without. It. I mean, you can't say, "Well, we'll have we'll travel," but without a travel day, you could have Seattle playing Tampa Bay. It just doesn't—it just doesn't work. So. I'm with you, man. I, I think that would be a phenomenal uh, atmosphere. We've seen, I mean, it, not even their playoff teams. I mean, they've had good teams along the way during this stretch. They haven't been pathetic. They haven't been the Pirates or, uh, well, the Pirates. Uh, they, they've been good along this stretch of 20 years right. of, of not making this. Also, you know, they've had Ichiro. They've had Felix Hernandez. We know that that's a great baseball town. So, no, I'm with you. I, I, it looks like now we really only have one playoff spot up for grabs. The AL is pretty much set, with apologies to the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's just about seating now. And if the Mariners could actually squeeze them in a four spot again, I think it'd be a phenomenal atmosphere. Notice we're not talking about the phenomenal atmosphere, of Tropicana field or a
1: uh, progressive field. No, no, we're not. Um, although, you know, it's been a, been a second for Cleveland that they've had a good, well, they, that's not true. They played in 2020 and they got stomped by the Yankees. That's right. Um, that, but yeah, so you're right. Um, I'd like to see that. Uh, I'd like to see one of those. I'd like to see that hype playoff. What do you think about the new format? Uh, the, the three home games for the uh, you know for the wild card round.
2: Well, I think it's a necessity. You know me, I just as soon have four teams in the playoffs, so yeah. everything is going to be a compromise for me. I think it does create some tension over the four seed versus the five seed, which is what baseball wanted. And I say, I don't think once you decide you're going to have this format, you just can't build in a travel day. So I don't really think there was much choice involved. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that not just that round, but they've taken an off day out of the division series. They've taken an off day out of the LCS round. Anything you can do that gets us away from the, there's an off day around every corner format which is what we've had in the postseason for a while now that forces yeah. teams to work their depth so that they can't just use their best relievers six times in seven games. I think that's a good thing. I think closer that you can get the playoff format to the regular season format helps the game.
1: I agree. This is also a Dodgers comment, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It helps the team like the Dodgers or the Astros for that matter. The
2: Rays, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Astros are the three teams I think governance, especially the Astros. How many teams have seven good starting pitchers?
1: Exactly exactly how are they going to work that in the playoffs I, I'm kind of curious to see who well Urquidy's out that's one that that's one that I think we can make that decision but you know who makes the cut and who's in the in the bullpen I mean I, I'm sure you know you, you got verlander and uh you got Framber for sure in the rotation after that I think you can make and McCullers is almost certainly into right it now that I think about it urquidy has got more relief
2: excuse me not urquidy. Uh, Javier has more relief experience he's mm-hmm. actually you go back to 2020. Dusty Baker used him in that kind of bridge long relief role, and he was actually excellent. So I, my my feeling is that in part because I mean they've already used him in that role uh, late this season. Like he's tandem with I forget if it was Brown or Verlander, but he's tandem in, in in September. So I think he ends up in the pen at least for the first round, and you know maybe they can regenerate based on who's healthy and who's pitching well. Um, I want to see though, you know, is Arcidi buried or does Dusty turned him into another two to three inning guy. Cause I know he's had some issues here, but he's still an above average pitcher um, yeah. and somebody who I've been a fan of for, for years. So I think he can still contribute. Let me ask you this. Would you put Hunter Brown on the roster?
1: Yes, I would. He looks that dominant.
2: It's crazy. Now, like guys who barely pitched during the regular season end up on playoff rosters. We saw the Braves do this uh, last year. Strider was on the roster. Dylan Lee was on the roster. I believe Dylan Lee. He ended up starting one of the games actually. They ended up using Tucker Davidson in the World Series. There's no connection anymore between the guys who got you there and the guys who pitch in the playoffs. If you think the guys who can pitch in the playoffs are better,
1: yeah, this this goes back to K Rod, but it was nominally back then, Um, and now it's it's a lot more common. They changed the rules. It used to be you had to
2: fudge the 40 man roster to to get a guy on. You had put a guy in the 60 man and and use that. That was how K Rod got on the roster. Francisco Rodriguez. They basically changed the rule a couple of years ago. Anybody who's in your organization on September 1st is eligible for the playoffs. So I was thinking about this in the context that the, the Guardians have a reliever named, it's not Claudio Vargas. I don't think Claudio Vargas is a, a different right-handed reliever, but his name is Vargas. And he missed a couple of years, but he shot through the system this year. Actually, he was on the roster briefly um, before being sent down this year. Like I could see a guy like him showing up in the playoffs, and all of a sudden nobody's seen him all year. He's got really good stuff, and now he's taking big innings in the seventh in a playoff series.
1: Carlos Vargas. Carlos Vargas, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I had to pull it up. So, you know, it, it wasn't right on the top, tip of my brain, too. But, you know, that, that's, that, that that is the beauty of things. And if you look at uh, what he's done so far, uh, 12 to 2K to walk in AAA in a short sample there. But, yeah, he could be a guy that could be sneaky about that there. So. Yeah you know, good poll. I mean you're digging in the corners on that one there. Uh, before we keep talking about that, a quick note right from our Blue Wire sponsors that all of our podcasts are hired, uh, are hosted on the Blue Wire network.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: Thanks for your indulgence on that. I'm Jeff Erickson. My guest is Joe Sheehan. Joe, you've got the baseball newsletter, and I know you're writing like 24-7 in the playoffs and even now. Um, what what have you got coming up for the last couple of weeks? Are you just more – is it just all topical stuff, or is there any big, big pieces coming up too? Uh, well, I haven't written – so
2: I had a piece I was working on on the pitch clock. And then MLB announced the, the rule changes. So I'm still working on that piece. I want to get that out before the, the season ends. Um, I also, in, in the winter, I'll come circle back to the rule changes and we'll write about that. But the pitch sure. clock is one that I feel pretty strongly about. Not so much that I'm for or against it. I just think the effect of it is being overstated because we haven't seen its use in major league games, in games that people care about. So that's kind of the thesis there. So that'll come out. probably. I know it'll come out before the season ends. I, I don't know exactly when. Um, today, I'm working on a, a mailbag. I, I asked the readers for postseason-specific questions that or races-specific questions. So I'm running that today. A lot of the stuff we've talked about today, specifically the change to the playoff format and how that's going to affect gameplay. So I'm working on that today. And, yeah, a lot of it, Jeff, though, now is just reacting to the day's news. Um, you know, I've written about Judge recently. I've written about Shohei Otani. Um, it's, you know, I, it's disappointing that we don't have better races uh, I'd hope the AL Central would provide some some drama. Really, we're down to the NL East as a divisional race, and then yep. that last that last wild card spot in the NL.
1: Let's talk about the NL for a little bit. We spent more of our time on the AL so far. The Cardinals. I want to bring up the Cardinals. They're playing the Padres right now, and the Cardinals have gone have scored like one run in the last forty three innings, and that was in, in one of those extra inning monstrosity runs. Um, they they haven't been hitting. They they've gotten ice ice cold right now, and I think one of their issues is that. They kind of play the hot hand a lot, and now they've got no hot hands. Uh, you know, you know, Nolan Gorman, for instance. You know, big prospect made a splashy debut. He's in the minors because they haven't. Been, they want to get him more playing time right now. Um, I, I just, I gotta think like the, the constant up, you know, pulling and punching like that is not helpful. Well, certainly with young players, I've
2: always been an advocate of sticking them in the lineup and leaving them alone. In the mm-hmm. specific case of Gordon, though, they did that for a lot of the year. Um, I was actually out there. What was it two weeks ago now in St. Louis? And That's right. You know, I there weren't a whole lot of problems with the offense. They scored, I believe, was uh, six runs one night and then six the six in the day game thereafter. That uh, was you the had Pirates, though,
0: right?
2: No, that was the Nationals, which is Nationals. like Pirate, Pirates Pirates
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> it,
2: it's not. And the thing is, in the second half, up until this recent stretch, they had one of the best offenses in baseball. Um, they'd gone to Brendan Donovan and Lars Nootbaar at the top of the lineup, who were providing incredible OBP in front of. Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron, Nolan Arenado. It was as perfect a top four as you could find. Goldschmidt's been in a, in a real a real slump of late. The Triple Crown chances starting to slip a little bit. Um, Arenado hasn't been hitting, um, and it wasn't a deep lineup because Dylan Carlson currently injured. I believe he's still out. Um, he he and came Gorman, back this week. Came back this week. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and Gorman haven't been hitting. You know they really haven't had the depth in the lineup. They've relied on that top four. That's gone a bit sideways, and they called out Juan Yapez over uh, Garmin the other day. He hit for them early in the year. We'll see if he can provide a spark. But again, they weren't—they're not as bad as they look right now. They probably aren't as good an offense as they look coming out of the All-Star break. Um, mm-hmm. I think for them, you know, they're really counting on run prevention. They're counting on getting good starts from Wainwright from Nicholas. You know, I, it's unclear what they're going to get from from Flaherty, and then getting into that bullpen where the back end with. Gallegos with Ryan Helsley, you know Andre Palante has been fantastic for them. Um, yeah. Really, kind of a low profile prospect coming through. They're another team that does an excellent job of developing its own talent. I will say that I don't think they have great depth. Um, and you're talking about this playoff format now, where depth is going to be tested a little bit more than, than usual. Um, I would definitely have some concerns. The wild card teams in the NL aren't as strong as the wild card teams in the AL. So could I see the Cardinals, you know, beating the Brewers? The Padres the Phillies whoever comes out of that six spot sure but then playing that Mets Braves number 2 seed i don't think that's going to go well for them
1: no i agree i, I 100% agree in fact i think it's there's a huge advantage to winning the NL East right now yeah. you avoid the Dodgers till the very end um you probably get the Cardinals or you get sixth seed either way you're that that's right. a pretty good spot to be in right now uh and you know the other thing about the Cardinals is I mean, their run prevention is actually pretty good as a whole, as a stat. 3.93 uh, runs allowed per game. They're they're facing the soft underbelly of the NL Central, first of all. Right. And I, I don't see an ace starting pitcher there. I don't see that guy that's like, all right, you don't want to face him in the playoffs. I mean, Wainwright has his gems, but he has other games where he's not that effective. He hasn't been as effective recently. I don't see you know, Flaherty hasn't ever come back to being that ace form. They needed Flaherty to be their ace, and it just yep. has not worked out. Um, and I think in a playoff set, set up there, that's going to come back to haunt them a little bit.
2: Sure. You look at the potential matchups, whether it's Woodruff Burns, whether it's Nola, uh, you know, Wheeler's health is, is in question, um, or even Ranger Suarez, who I, have, I personally love. Um, mm-hmm. And the, you know, the Padres who can run, you know, Darvish. Darvish has been excellent the second half. Musgrove, yep. Snell. They're going to be behind the eight ball in all the starting matchups and the, whoever they face in that first round.
1: Snell took a no-hitter into the seventh against him last Ooh. night, struck out 13. Snell uh, hit, again, I feel like this is a recording from last year. He's really revived his season, much better in the second half, the first. Still love using him at home instead of on the road, but he's been better on the road this year than last year when he was just historically bad. Um, but, you know, that is a, that's a tough matchup. Now, the Padres are, <laughs> the Padres are weird. I mean, we, we expected them to go on this big run. You know, they, they tried to tug at Superman's cape, and they fell backward significantly soto has been terrible since the trade. Under you know, really terrible. Uh, shockingly so.
2: Yeah, I want to point people to a great piece at Fangrafts by Jay Jaffe going deep into detail on Juan Soto's struggles with the Padres. Really fantastic stuff. Uh, but again, this is a team that had offensive depth issues all year. Getting Soto, trading for Soto and anticipating getting Fernando Satis back were supposed to fix that. Well now you have No Tatis and a half-broken Soto, and all of the problems you had previously, you know, Trey Grisham not hitting. Uh, uh, Hasan Kim is an excellent defensive player, but he's not that guy. They just are not a good offensive team. I think I think at the start of the year, I expected the Padres to score a ton of runs. That hasn't happened, but they're a better run prevention team now than uh, I would have expected them to be. I think the real question for them is, you know, what are they going to get in the seventh, eighth, and ninth? How do you think their bullpen matches up with the other wildcard contenders?
1: Well, I think haters fixed himself. Uh, he seems like that at least they've got that part. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a problem. Um, it, it, you know, they're not like last year where they were limping in and you know, limping down the stretch where their bullpen was just being eviscerated, especially because in in part because of usage in part because of injury. Um, I think, you know, Melvin's been a steadier hand at Manning that the starting pitching staff, not asking so many innings out of their key relievers. I think that was one of the things that they just wore down big time there, but, uh, you're right. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to win by run prevention. They're going to have to throw those three starters at you. Clevenger has actually been better lately too. So if you go into a seven-game series in the next round, they'll be, they will be they could be pretty well equipped. Um, but can they score the runs? That's all, I think that's the big question.
2: I think because of that rotation, though, if I'm picking from the four teams that aren't the Dodgers, Mets, and Braves, I think the Padres are the one I don't want to play. I think I take my chances with the Phillies and the Brewers, but Agreed. I just the chance that the Padres could go out there and allow, as we saw this week, you know, uh, one run in, in twenty seven innings or something is yep. pretty high.
1: Yeah. So Dodgers actually don't catch a, a break there because they could face the Mets or the Braves in their first round of, when they begin playing the playoffs. It, it's it's a terrible format, but you got, the Dodgers who
2: last year had to play the hundred seven win Giants, and granted they were the wild card, so you kind of yep. accept that. This year might be playing the hundred three win you know a, a wild card in that second round. It's where where the you know the, the the team that wins the NL East could be playing one of these 86 win teams that gets staggers to the the finish. Again, I understand why baseball did it this way, but at the very least, in future years, I think you've got to you've got to receive the
1: second round. I'd agree with that. I 100 percent agree with that. There, in fact, I, I I'd almost advocate doing away with the concept of geography and divisions, and I would just have the top. If you want to have six teams in each league, fine. Top six in each go. Let's just go that way. And well, and we're going to do that a little bit with the schedule next year. It's a right. little bit more of a balanced schedule. It's less geographically based, and I think that's that's going to hurt the, the teams in the central divisions and and both le- in both leagues actually. Well, the central divisions have always, as long as they ex- exist, they're still basically
2: a subsidy for a lot of small small market teams. Talking about you know, oh, can't compete with the Yankees and the Dodgers. You're not. You're if you're the Guardians, you're competing with the White Sox and three. Well, I, I would say that Minneapolis is a mid-market, but you know, Detroit with the population decline is a small market, and of course uh, Kansas City is a small market. Um, so the central divisions already effectively act that way. Now, I don't think we'll see radical realignment until we get expansion and get to 32. I think that's right. the only thing holding it back, though. Uh, if you look at the last 30 years of baseball, it's running away from distinct ALNL leagues with identities, kind of turning them into conferences now. And yep. now that you already have them as conferences, it's a smaller step to say, okay, look, we're just going to rebuild this entire thing. But I'm with you, man. If you're going to have – if you're going to send 12 teams to the playoffs, send the best 12 teams to the playoffs. And yep. you know they got, they got lucky this year, but there was a time in August that it looked like the entire AL East might end up with a better record than the AL Central champion. And yeah. the more unbalanced – excuse me, the more balanced schedule you play, the greater the chance something like that's going to happen. And you're going to end up leaving out the fifth-best team and letting in the eighth-best team.
1: Yeah. Uh, When do you think expansion happens?
2: Uh, Rob Manfred has said frequently that they will not expand until they solve the Oakland and Tampa Bay situations. Tampa Bay, their lease at the Dome uh, expires after 2026 – Uh, It doesn't seem like they're having any progress towards a downtown ballpark. Obviously, the A's are a constant conversation now with their uh, possibly uh, moving to Las Vegas, trying to get a ballpark built at Howard Terminal. I'm vamping here a little bit because I don't have a great answer for you. But I think the earliest this CBA ends in 2026, I think they would like to have an expansion plan in place for the next CBA starting in 2027, whether that is early in that window or late in that window. Uh, but that, I think, is the goal. I, they really, really want to get to 32. I don't really know that there's better markets out there. I think you're eventually just adding more small markets. You also have the Ohio problem where Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland probably all developed, deserved baseball teams in 18 a 6 But it's a, lot of, it's a lot of baseball games in, a, in an area that doesn't have the population to support it. So I think that's an eventual problem that's going to have to be solved.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think anything changes there just because of the history, but I could be, I, I agree, but
2: eventually there's just not enough people.
1: Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I think the way Vegas has supported the Raiders and the golden Knights, I think Vegas is going to get a franchise by hook or crook. It's either expansion or it's the A's or it's the Rays. It's somebody they're going to get, they're going to get a team at some point in time.
2: Expansion and the A's are kind of the same thing at this point.
1: Uh, it sucks. I mean, Oakland ch- can support a team. Um, but their ownership hasn't supported a team in such a long time. It, it, it's the Jeffrey Loria effect here again, where they're effectively killing off a market. And you now the, the Howard terminal thing, I mean, that looks like it made progress politically at least. So we'll see if now it's a question of, do they follow through with all that there? But, uh, yeah, that that'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But, uh, anyways, um, quick note here from our friends at so rare, uh, Good, good comp- and We they, we thank them for their sponsorship. They've got a great postseason game. I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna try it out soon, actually. So rare MLB is an NFT based free to play baseball game played with officially licensed Major League Baseball cards. Sign up today at rare.com/mlb and you'll receive 13 common cards to start your collection. Build seven player lineups from cards in your collection and play weekly competitions with scoring based on real life player performance. Compete for rewards with other fans around the world. For more information on gameplay and to sign up, visit sorare.com/mlb. There's no better time to join Sorare, Sorare than ahead of our postseason gameplay. I am looking forward to that there because uh, I don't do any uh, postseason fantasy right now, Joe. I I used to do our rankings and all that. And I used to do like a like a, a we do a side playoff pool or whatever. I don't do that right now. I've
2: never heard of playoff fantasy. Um, i played in playoff NFL pools our friends Michael Safino and Scott Pianowski have run a great pool for years, but I've never seen a postseason baseball. And my assumption was just that because everybody's already shifted their focus to football. There wasn't really much demand, but that actually does sound interesting.
1: Yeah. The NFBC actually has had a contest too. That's actually pretty good. Um, And it's about, you know, it's, it's like, like most playoff contests, it's bankrolling teams a little bit there at the beginning. I think the NFBC requires you to take at least one player from every team. um, And then you, but you have like a multiplier. So second round, if you've had, if you get the right player and he goes through four rounds, you know, you get that four X of a guy that really goes off that that's, that's nice. Now I think uh, it's necessarily points based instead of categorical base. You can't really do that for the uh, playoffs. Not a long, not not long enough run. So um, it's just a different animal because you're, you're eliminating players and all that from the pool.
2: I didn't pull this up. This sounds. I didn't know this existed. I got to take a look at this.
1: Sounds fun. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun. Wasn't I, I, it wasn't that fun doing a playoff cheat sheet though? Because because of all my football work, it's just right. one more log on that fire, which is already a raging inferno. So uh,
2: plus, you're watching Reds playoff. Game.
1: Oh no, probably no, not. Pipe down. So <laughs> gratuitous. I'm just sitting here. Have oh. you invite you into my home? I miss you, brother. Take that swipe. Oh, how's the golf game going?
2: Uh, do you still sorry, have do you what? have clubs out there? I brought them back. I actually played. I played five rounds in four days in Chicago during the summer. Yeah, that's and right. I I have not played. I've not looked at them since I got back home. And I should. I'm I'm really close to a couple of courses. It just, yeah, I'm putting so much effort into the newsletter. It's really what it is. I'm just. I'm working so much. I'm not taking the time to golf. And as you know, you know, it's it's if you play, you get better. And if you Good. don't play, everything kind of recedes. And by the end of that trip to Chicago, I was I was hitting the ball really well. That was two and a half months ago now. It was a great trip, but you got to strike that
1: work life balance though, man. You got to get out there again. I,
2: I like, I like playing golf when I, I'm not – I don't enjoy going out and just playing with randoms, in part because I'm not that good. Um, I really enjoy you know, the trip I took to Chicago, played with my friend Bill. I enjoy mm-hmm. the trips that we take out, whether it's the Myrtle trip that you know, I missed or the old cathlon trip in the, in the, summer, in the, in the winter. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. That might be the next time I pick up the clubs, though. And You're now by far the best player in that group.
1: No, I'm not. That is so not true. Jason's yeah. still the best. Jason Gray's still oh, the best no, player no. in our group. 100%. He's, he's, he,
2: he's over the hill. He's got back problems. He
1: can't. Hit eh, he'll, he'll roll out of bed. He'll struggle for one round and then he'll beat us in a submission after that. This would
2: be funnier if we if we thought he was going to hear this.
1: Yeah, that's true. Good point. Um, but nonetheless, uh, go get some new irons, too, by the way. You know, your parking yeah, lot irons need to be replaced.
2: That's part of it. Part of it is wanting to, is, is deciding whether I'm going to make the commitment, get a good set of clubs, maybe get fitted for clubs, and then go out and play. But I have to know that I'm going to play a lot if I'm going to do that.
1: For sure. Well, it'll force you to do so. And you, you got to get, you know, you got to get a group, regular group in New York. That's, that's the key. Once you get a regular group of regulars, it's, it's so different. So yeah. It's much, just, it's so much all
2: my, all of my golf friends are just scattered around the area. Um,
1: you know, Jim Sias, you know,
2: Mike Siano, I've played with both of those guys. Yep. Um, it's just, I just don't know guys like literally close to me, but again, I'm surrounded by courses. So I'm on, I'll tell you what I'm on it. I will play five rounds at least before the end of the calendar year.
1: Done. I like it. I like it there. Very good. Uh, Even have to fly you out to California to fit them in (laughs) weather-wise. We'll we'll do that there. Um, So, yeah, let's look at the Dodgers. I'm going to talk about the top teams here real quick. The Dodgers, for a team that was two days ago, 59 games over 500. They've lost two in a row since, but they're still only 57 games over 500. They've got a clear weakness, the back end of their bullpen. If they get to the ninth inning, do you trust Craig Kimball in a one-run game in the ninth? No, in fact, I was watching the – he
2: came up at the beginning of the 5-1 game the other night against the Diamondbacks and put on three base runners, and then Gavin Lux made a great play behind him. Yeah. Uh, and I was saying you almost – if you're a Dodger fan, would you rather see Craig Campbell melt down in September and take himself out of the leverage position in October or blow things in October? I think the best thing for the Do- that can happen to the Dodgers right now is for Craig Campbell to completely explode, implode. Um, they can throw a lot of arms at the problem. But the overall quality is not what it's been in recent years. Taking Kimberle no. out of the picture, you, just, you know, Alex Vesey has been good. They've got uh, – you know, Evan Phillips has, has been a fine for them. It's very rare for the Rays to lose a guy and have him turn right. into something. And right. you know, that, that's been great for them. But, again, of course, it's it's a lot of the same thinking in that front office. Um, they've suffered so many injuries to the rotation, but that's been fantastic. But, yeah, I – and it's it's a shame, too, because, you know, Dave Roberts – has become a better dugout manager than he was at the start of his reign. There's no question about that. And it feels like his bullpens, just in terms of talent, are a little bit weaker each year. So you kind of don't notice that he's making better decisions, but he's doing it, he's making better meals with, with lesser quality
1: food. Um, Until he gets to I, the playoffs, at least. No, then, but again, then it's I, debatable. I, I,
2: I think he's. I think he's still a better manager, than, uh, bullpen manager, than he once was. Remember, in that 2017 World Series, he used Brandon Morrow seven times in seven games. I mean, it basically ended Morrow's career. Um, I, I just. I, I'm trying to. I have a problem in that I'm invested in the Dodgers, in that I don't want them, I don't want the Dodgers' loss story. I'm tired of the Dodgers' loss story, because the Dodgers are a dynasty, and if they lose to the Braves four three in a one run game in Game Seven it's going to be
1: more of that nonsense. And I, I, so I kind of am rooting for the Dodgers just to not have to write that story. I, I get you on that. And I actually feel that impulse. And actually I grew up hating the Dodgers. Couldn't stand the Dodgers. it out. You know, West rival of the Reds. Uh, and the, you know, it was Reds Dodgers for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I move out here and, you know, okay. Dodger fans are so if no, I, I actually, the dodgers No, i i hate i hated the whole not being able to watch, watch the dodgers for six years because of right. which tv provider i had i think that's garbage and i'm still a little bitter about that one but you know i missed that like peak clayton kershaw the last few years of Vince scully's career that sort of thing um but I, I mean i like their management i like their front office uh i like the, i love that i like a lot of the i mean i love a lot of the players I mean, how can you not like mookie betts how can you not like clayton kershaw I mean, these are very likable players, super fun. But you go back to last year, though. I mean, using Scherzer and Urias in the bullpen made them, you know, and then asking him to turn around and start again—it was, you know, not everyone can pull off a Madison Bumgarner, and they they tried to do it there. And you know, I think that, that I think that is something you could rightly criticize Roberts for. I
2: agree. And that it was an unnecessary to use Scherzer in that, in that yes. context. And of course it bled into the rest of their playoff run. Uh, you know, he's done this with Kershaw too. And Clayton Kershaw was peak Clayton. When he was peak Clayton, Clayton Kershaw, maybe you take that risk, but he's been doing it with these lesser and lesser versions of Kershaw. And it, it hurt him. I mean, there was the, the 19 division series game
0: where mm-hmm. Kershaw
2: gave up the homers to Soto and Rendon and that kind of ended the Dodgers season. Um, I, but again, this goes back to, he doesn't have better options. I think Roberts believes in his players to one extent, whether it's Kershaw or, or, or Scherzer, but he also doesn't have an obvious other option to say, you're my, you're a clear top reliever. I'm going to bring you into the game. So he makes these mistakes. I'm, I'm optimistic that he won't make them this year in part because he doesn't really have a starter to pull out of the bullpen. I don't think he's going to use Kershaw that way anymore. Um, I don't think he's going to use a riot. I mean, he, he did use a rise, so maybe, but. There's no, I don't know. I, I don't think he'll do it. I just think he's going to make do with the bevy of arms that he has. You know, go with nine relievers and see what happens. I don't think he's going to pull a starter out of the pen.
1: What do you do with Dustin May? I put him in the bullpen.
2: Um, he can lose you a game right now more than he can win you a game. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument for not putting him on the, the division series, excuse me, in the I'd division agree. series roster. Um, it's, we still have two weeks left, so I kind of want to see how that develops, but there's. He can he can go out there through two perfect innings, or he can not get a batter out right now. That's do you want to take that chance? Do you want to put him on the roster maybe in the ho- hopes that you get a low leverage situation? You know, you, instead of using Hanser Alberto up fourteen in the ninth, you use Dustin May and kind of get his feet wet and see if he can kind of get acclimated. But right now, there's a a variance there, a range of outcomes that's just so massive.
1: I, I mean, it's tough call. And he serves as a reminder that this is the normal path for guys coming back from TJS. That they don't come, you know, you're, they're supposed to struggle initially when they come out. They're supposed to have command issues. And he does have command issues, command and control issues. 14 walks and 30 innings so far. Uh, last night didn't look great. He also got a little babip unlucky last night. Uh, but both some of the former blood into the latter, you know, falling behind in counts and then giving up. Medium contact, if not hard contact there. Uh, getting Gonsolin back would be huge for them. I don't know if that's going to happen either. Yeah, they, they shut him down for the rest of the regular
2: season. And this is a, one of the situations where the, the week off actually is going to have a fact. Have, have yeah, effect. it is. And in the context of the Mets-Braves race, that's enormous. Talk about Spencer Strider's current situation. The Mets wanting to put as little on Scherzer and DeGrom as they have to. So, big deal there. But Gonsolin, you know, could they get away with you know Kershaw, Anderson... Arias, I mean, that works. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's an interesting matchup against the Mets because you know, the Mets are actually really set up to crush lefties. If you don't have a, a one good right-handed starter to run at them, that's that really evens out that series a little bit. So
0: yeah, I'm not right.
2: sure I've seen – I cannot think of a playoff team that didn't have a credible right-handed starter in recent years.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's really wild uh, to see how left-handed they are um it, it until until you actually like sit there and point it out you're like oh i never thought of it that way well because gonsolin had been there for most of the year now it's yeah. a question of whether what they're going to get out of him there was
2: an anticipation that may could step in um you know he hasn't really done some of the prospects that have not really taken that okay i'm going to start game two with the playoffs role either
1: right right and losing bueller obviously is massive yeah uh, and losing him for all of next year too for that matter um that that that's going to be that's going to be Tough on him, tough on the Dodgers too. Tough on if you're in a dynasty league, tough decision to make with him as well. Uh, oh, that's
2: not that's not hard for me at all. Yeah, I've got one year where I know I'm not going to have him, I've got one year where he's going to be limited innings and uh, almost certainly that's an easy cut for
1: me. I, I, I sadly, I kind of agree with you on that one there. Tyler Anderson, playoff starter.
2: I mean, Washington? he's been fantastic for them. Yeah, you know, he's, he's been absolutely. He's been he's been great. I mean, that command. The, what is it? The I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm I'm blanking. But they had him change the pitch mix a little bit. Um, I wrote about yeah. it earlier this year, and I'm blanking about it. But that's again, talk about player improvement. Yes, that's yes. a free number two starter out of out of nowhere. I think the real key is going to be a rise, though, not just from a performance standpoint, but from an inning standpoint. Like Clayton Kershaw in a playoff context, he's probably not going to go deeper than the six. He's just not right. wired for that. I know he went seven innings against the the Diamondbacks the other day, but. He's going to be a five, six inning guy. Arias is the one guy I think could get get them into the seven, take some of the pressure off that bullpen, which again is going to have volume, but every single decision is going to be fraught with, is this the right guy? So I think they need Arias to pitch them into the seven to give Dave Roberts some easy nights. And to a certain extent, your best relievers are going to be your lineup. If the Dodgers can get score six, seven runs, which we know they can do, that takes a lot of pressure off Dave Roberts as well. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to manage a bullpen
1: in a 7-1 game than a 2-1 game. 100% agree. Uh, and that that is likely outcomes. But, hey, you face DeGrom and Scherzer in a, round, right. in a playoff round, I guarantee that. Braves, too, for that matter. And the Braves, I and mean, then they're going to score their share of runs. That, that's going to be wild. Uh, yet, the Dodgers lead baseball in run prevention. 3.18 yard runs for, well, up here. Actually, the Astros are beating them. 3.17. Uh, so, the two of them, I mean, they're just... They're ludicrous. They're they're ridiculous franchises. That's the matchup we all want,
2: right? I mean, with yeah. respect to the Yankees and Aaron Judge and the great story that is, the Mets have been a great story this year. The Dodgers-Astros also kind of closes the book on this cycle, right? Yeah. They each have a world championship. Obviously, the each of them is tainted in its own way. People will always associate the 2017 Astros championship with the sign stealing.
0: Right. The Dodgers,
2: even though it was the largest playoff field ever, are never going to get full credit for 2020. I think if we get those two teams together in 2022, we get to define who was the team of this era.
1: Yeah. Yep. I think that's a good call. Um, and, you know, not that they're going to be done after this year. <laughs> they're going to no. be well set in the future, too, is the funny thing. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it, it, you're absolutely right about that one there. Having
2: said all this, we're getting Phillies Rays or something now, right? We're
1: the 2008
2: Remax. Or, I, I mean, I'm so going the, the Brewers will come out of nowhere and, and make a run.
1: Don't sleep on the Braves again. Don't sleep on the Braves. Oh, I mean, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's just that we know what they we know. I mean, we know what they can do. We know uh if Strider can give them lots of innings. Uh, if he he's fully ready to go. I mean, they're man, they're a scary run scoring team. I mean, you document, you know, team that homers the most still wins the most in the playoffs, and the Braves are that team.
2: I think even with Strider, because I think people are sleeping on Charlie Morton. I think Charlie Morton yeah. can step up and be the same guy he's always been. So now you've got freed Strider Morton. Kyle writes the fourth starter in that context. Come on. That's a ridiculous rotation. So even without Strider, or if he, let's say he has to go to the bullpen for a multi-inning role. I still think they've got the rotation to, 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 to do well. I, I'd be most concerned about, about the back ending for them, back end for them. You know, Kelly yep. Jansen, we've been talking about Kelly Jansen every postseason for, for 10 years now. Um, I worry a little bit about their bridge to Jansen as well. We saw Jesse Chavez get beaten yesterday uh, with the yeah. two on homer. Uh, Menses, I believe, at the home run off him. I, there's some shakiness in front. And that's what won for them last year. Out of the blue, Tyler Matzik, uh, the right-hander I'm forgetting, and Will Smith just completely became unhittable for a month. Yep. And that's the thing that happened. You know, we saw with the Red Sox in 2018. Bullpens that we don't really think that much of, over 15 games can turn into monsters and change the course of the postseason. So pitchers, I pitchers,
1: period. Yeah. Right. That's just, you know, they're, they're always about the night, na- the latest 10 game sample. They really are. And it's, it's insane. And it's, but that, that could decide a lot of things too. And it's funny yeah. how that works. Um, uh, big weekend coming up for uh, Toronto and Tampa. Again, we'll look forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to this stretch run and hopefully we get a little bit of drama set up for the playoffs. Uh, anything. And so I, Anything else you're gonna be watching this weekend? Any any other storylines? Are you gonna be all over the judge thing or Oh, S C. That's right. S C. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I
2: mean Go obviously cool. we're gonna catch as many judge at bats as you can. He'll there's an inevitability to it now. He's not going, he's going to get to 63 in all likelihood. He's not going to get to 73. So he's going to land in that zone where people are going to yep. fight about it. Uh, but he's, he's at are really a lot of fun to watch right now. It's oh, yeah. just so locked in. Lindsay Adler had a great piece about, the uh, athletic about, you know, pitchers talking about how locked in he is right now. So that's a lot of fun and, you know, uh, catching a lot of the great starters. I want to see as much Otani, I believe he starts Saturday again. Yeah. I want to see as much of him as I can before the year is out because, you know, he's now done this two years in a row. And it is such a high wire act that we don't know how many more years he'll get to do it. Right. Right. But right. But watching a guy throw a hundred in the top of the first and hit a hundred in the bottom of the first, like I say, I was a for three years, and it's just this astonishing thing we get to watch.
1: So yeah, Otani will be at the top of the list. Scott and I constantly are you know advocated that I shouldn't say argue we agreed advocated that he should focus on the hitting. Yeah. Oops. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's such a unicorn. He's so amazing. I hope it spawns other Otanis. I hope there, it spawns other two-way players because the game's more interesting when you have that.
2: Well, it's a fa- it was a failure of imagination on my part because I'd never seen it. We'd seen guys fail. We'd seen guys do it in limited roles, Kishnick and Micah Owings, guys like that. But, you know, I just, I didn't see it. And I want to credit, you know, Ben Lindberger, the ringer, never got off the Otani train. He was driving the Otani train from the start and he was vindicated in the end. So, you know, credit to Ben for his analysis there.
1: Very good. Joe, this is awesome stuff as always. Always great to catch up with you. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at a golf course to be named later in the near future too as well. So thanks for spending some time with me this morning and uh, have fun this weekend. Thanks, man. Love the show. Take care. All right. Thanks. To this. this is the uh, end of today's show uh, brought to you by So Rare. Thanks for your sponsorship. Coming up, got two star starters with Todd and Clay tomorrow. Thanks for listening.